Hello everybody, this is Weston from the band Weston Horn and the Hush. And this is Jesse from the Color Yes, and welcome to the Chasing Famous Podcast. This is a podcast about two guys from middle America. We're quitting everything. We're doing some awesome steps to becoming some full-time musicians. That's right, my friends. And in the process of us becoming super Bruno Mars level famous, you know what we're going to do? We're going to help you become... Lady Gaga famous. Not quite Bruno <laughs> Mars. We're going to help you get to Lady Gaga, and then it's up to you to get from Lady Gaga to Bruno Mars. Yeah, we're going to help you out no matter where you are in your own musical journey. We're going to talk to you about everything you need to know to become super famous musicians. Yeah, that's right. Do you really think that uh, Bruno Mars is more famous than Lady Gaga? Uh, by about 200%, yes. Wow. Okay. All right. I'd like to see <laughs> the stats on that. <laughs> it's probably not 200%, but I bet it is a decent chunk. Uh, but yes, okay, before we go too far, uh, we had a very special guest with some music that played some music at the beginning of the podcast. Jesse, tell us about who that was. Yeah, this song we just heard is called I Still Want to Know by an artist named R.A.C. Now, R.A.C. is a little bit different than most of the artists that we kind of feature on the podcast. We usually feature up-and-coming artists um, that are chasing famous, but R.A.C. has kind of made it. I mean, uh, he is a Grammy-awarded artist. He's won a Grammy, so that kind of shows you where he's at. Um, but today on the podcast, we're talking about a very special, very specific topic, and we wanted to have an artist that kind of embodies the topic, and RAC is kind of at the forefront of what we're talking about today. Uh, he's actually one of the leading artists that are actually engaging in this kind of issue, and he was so kind enough to let us use the music on the podcast to promote uh, not only his music, but also the topic that we're going to be covering today. So, uh, if you liked RAC's music, you can check him out. You can go to his website at rac.fm or you can just go to YouTube, Google. He's everywhere. He's famous. So, uh, yeah, check him out. Cool. Dig it. <laughs> yeah, so today uh, we're going to be talking about something a little bit nerdy, a little bit geeky. We're going to go yep. into the depth of our nerdism on the podcast today. But if you think about it, nerds are sort of all the rage right now. Yeah, they rule the world. That's for sure. Can I say this before you introduce the topic? Sure. I think this is how... Uh, the world ends. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> with this podcast today, with not with this podcast, but with this technology, I think it's bringing close, bringing us closer to when uh, robots take over the earth and we have a, a Terminator situation. Yeah, it could be. We'll, we'll find yep. out. Uh, it'll be interesting. But let me ask you this question, Weston. Okay. Uh, have you ever heard of this little technology called the internet? No. No, no. never heard of the internet. In Oklahoma, we don't have it. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of it in distant lands, but not here in Oklahoma, no. You're saying that as a joke, but it's kind of funny. Um, where <laughs> where my parents used to live in the country, they literally could not get internet. And then right now, one of my good friends, his parents live in the country. Um, you know, not even that much in the country. They still can't get internet. Like, they have to use oh. their phones, their phone service to use hotspots to their computers in order to get, like internet on their computer so you're not that far off <laughs> <laughs> great now i feel bad about myself <laughs> um but yeah um we all know about the internet the internet whenever we were very very young was basically not a thing uh yeah. it started becoming a thing and we had no idea when we were kids how or no one knew at that time how it was going to absolutely revolutionize our world and even more so revolutionize the music industry and how we consume yep. and pay attention to music um, as it got more and more advanced, the internet came along, it gave us access to music like never before, but it also gave us the ability to do things like pirate music and stream music, um, which we've talked about can hurt the artist. Um, and then 
you know, a few years ago, a new technology came out that was kind of the new internet, which is the smartphone. The smartphone came out, and it completely revolutionized everything we've ever done. So not only did we have the internet, but we also had the internet at our fingertips. And then even more and more so, we have the internet at our fingertips 24-7, to where literally you can just, instead of having to purchase music and have a catalog and bring around big CD books or you know, record boxes or listen to it in your car or your Walkman or your Discman, right? You know, (laughs) you can stream not only the music that you bought, but literally every single song that's ever existed at your fingertips at any point in time. Yeah, it's all contained in your pocket. (laughs) It's kind of funny because uh, the other day I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a little bit older, and when I say a little bit older, in his 80s. (laughs) And he he goes, hey, have you ever heard of this song? This is a song I like to listen to when I was a kid. And... I, I just pulled up my phone and I just looked it up on YouTube, right? It, something yeah. we all do. It took me seconds. And he was like, that's the song. That's the song. How'd you find it? And it was like, <laughs> he's like, he come, he talks to his wife. He says, get in here, get in here. And he goes, hey, can you, you seen what this guy can do? <laughs> he, he's like, I just say the name of a song and then seconds later, it plays on his phone, right? It's just this is hilarious. This complete transformation of technology and what it, it transforms everything. But, these all have a huge effect on how we consume music. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about a technology that is kind of the new internet. It's kind of the new smartphone. But it's at that point to where people don't really know about it, kind of like we were when the internet was around when we were kids. Uh, And it's just starting to come out, and it's interesting to see what's going to be happening. Um, Let me ask you this, Weston. Have you ever heard of Bitcoin? Yes, yes, I have. Can I tell you what I think it is before I knew what it was? Yeah, sure. I knew it had something to do with uh, what the the first association I had it with was with like the dark web, which is like the internet behind the internet. Yeah. And so I imagine when I thought of Bitcoin, I thought of these these actual futuristic metallic coins that uh, that you could insert into a hidden slot in your computer that then would allow you access to the internet's back door into the dark web where you could buy cocaine and heroin. Easily, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Is, are you serious? No, I didn't. I'm not serious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, yeah, but Bitcoin, right, is kind of a new technology. It's a new currency. Um, but what the technology and the system that Bitcoin is based upon uh, is called the technology is called blockchain. And this is the new technology that is supposed to be the new smartphone, the new internet. And today, in this episode, we're going to be looking at blockchain as it's emerging and how it may affect the music industry in an even bigger way and hopefully a more positive way than the internet or the smartphone. Yeah, absolutely. So Jesse is basically going to be interviewing a very, very special guest who is absolutely got his finger on the pulse of this entire new technology and its relation to the music industry. So this interview is probably going to be one of the best podcasts we have because the majority of it won't have my voice on it. So I think that's (laughs) going to be a very positive step for this podcast. So as Jesse is in New York where everything happens, uh, and I'm in Oklahoma still, uh, just slapping cattle. That's all (laughs) I'm doing. So so Jesse was able to interview this guy, and this is really exciting. The beginning of this episode and the beginning of this interview uh, is really, I would say, a little uh, fact-heavy because you kind of have to get up to speed on some of the terminology and some of the understanding about blockchain and how all this works. Uh, But then the great thing is if you stick around, you're going to see how 
crazy amazing it could potentially be for the music industry and and about what it's going to do to help all of us artists out yep so here we go All right, so today I have traveled to the very far distant land of Brooklyn, New York, all the way from the city, um, to a company called Ujo, and I am talking with Jesse Grushak today. Jesse is the founder of a company called Ujo, uh, and he is, what I'm going to say, the most expert opinion on blockchain that I have ever encountered before. Um, he's going to talk to us today a little bit about blockchain, how it's going to potentially change the music industry, and even better, how it's going to make it awesome, and it's going to be awesome for musicians and, and creators and artists, and not so much for all the other people that we don't like. <laughs> um, and then he's going to kind of explain this to us poor, dumb people, um, how this technology actually works, and just what it's going to do for us. So, um, Jesse, if you don't mind introducing yourself a little bit. Absolutely. Thanks, Jesse, for having me. Um, Jesse Grushek, I'm one of the co-founders of Ujo Music, which is a part of Consensus. Um, Consensus is one of the largest blockchain development studios, and we are looking at how blockchain will impact the music industry and building software and tools and infrastructure to really support that. Awesome. Um, all right, let's get into it. So blockchain, uh, most people listening to this probably have never, ever heard of blockchain, okay? Um, I, you know, it's kind of a new technology. Some people are promising it's going to change the entire world. Uh, it's going to make everything better. People are going to be, no one's going to have to worry about hunger anymore. Um, Poverty is not going to be an issue, all because of blockchain. I've heard everything. Just wave the magic wand. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what is it? I mean, most people don't know about blockchain. What is this crazy new technology that's supposed to transform our world? So blockchain was created um, in 2000, end of 2008, 2009 with Bitcoin. So Bitcoin was the first blockchain that existed. And I think uh, Bitcoin, I don't, I don't know how many people are familiar with Bitcoin. It, it should be one of those things that's been in the news because it's been going up and up in price. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, I have one Bitcoin. It's like worth $10,000. Um, but it's the digital currency, right? Yep. It's one of the main... It was the first digital currency, so... It was the first digital currency on a blockchain. Okay. First digital currency on a blockchain. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> See, this is why we have you here. Um, and it's it's not paper. There's no paper involved, nope. right? You can't get bills, right? Um, it's not... No actual coins. Not No, not... No real <laughs> coins, right? There's no metal, nothing. It's digital, right? Um, it's literally invisible. It's data. Yep in the air and it's supposed to be a way of purchasing things right and it's different from other currencies in the main way that it's not backed by a government right right there's no backing with the government right so bitcoin is a digital currency that does not have a government behind it but instead uses software and really complicated math and cryptography to secure the network so we basically with bitcoin and the blockchain is is that if I were to send you money, um, we would both have a record of that transaction. Yeah. So that record is stored on the blockchain. And so in order to confirm that I actually did send you money, we have hundreds if or thousands of people around the world confirming these transactions. Yeah. So every single person has a copy of the blockchain. 
and they're able to basically go in and check, say, you know, Jesse just sent the other Jesse five Bitcoin. Did he have those Bitcoin to begin with? And if he did, then let's confirm that transaction and write in the blockchain that the other Jesse now has five Bitcoin. Okay. So, I mean, what's this, how is this different from a bank? Like, you know, a bank does the same thing, right? It basically it says, okay, um, Jesse, you have now sent Jesse a uh, dollar. Right. Right. Yes. And within a bank, that's, you know, it works. But, you know, what happens when you start to go outside of the bank? What happens when, you know, you want to send money, you moved, you know, and you want to send money back to your family, wherever they are in the world, you know, in Australia or something, or even in Oklahoma, right? And you don't use the same bank as them. Mm -hmm. Now we have to do, you know, different types of transfers. So we're talking two to three days at a minimum for that money to clear. And with blockchain and with Bitcoin, that money is sent pretty instantly. You know, Bitcoin has a 10-minute confirmation time. So we're being able to transfer essentially cash digitally across the internet, you know, from one person to another. So Bitcoin was the first digital currency, the first blockchain. Um, but we are now nine years later, and there are thousands of different blockchains. There are thousands of different digital currencies. Um, and we specifically work on a blockchain called Ethereum. Ethereum. Ethereum is the name of the blockchain, yes. uh, but it's not the name of the digital currency. Right. So the digital currency on Ethereum is called Ether. Ether. Yep. Awesome. The Ether. The Ether. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it's just one of the digital currencies out there Right. that's on this specific blockchain. And so with Bitcoin, you were able to send transactions from one person to another, and the blockchain would confirm that. And it was basically... That was basically all it did. It was this, you know, very singular record-keeping transaction. Bitcoin basically was the first blockchain, and it recorded transactions. So it was, you know, a really good digital ledger. Yeah. A lot of people saw this and said, you know, we can do other things with this. If we can look at money, if we can send money this way, what else can we do with this? How do we, you know, create programmable money in a sense? How do we create money where, you know, we can create conditions around it, um, you know, whether or not someone paid you or you want to bet how do we you know pay out automatically based on the conditions and, okay and if those conditions are met and so in 2013 2014 a 18 year old named vitalik buterim thought you know this bitcoin's great but this could be better and he conceptualized the ethereum platform which does the same type of it has the ability to do the same type of transactional mm -hmm. value send but it also allows the ability to create what are called smart contracts. Okay. And smart contracts are essentially, they're not contracts at all, so it's a terrible name. But <laughs> okay, um, they're essentially tiny chunks of computer code that live on the Ethereum blockchain. And these code is basically a bunch of logic. So conditional logic, meaning, you know, if the Yankees win the World Series, pay Jesse. If the Mets pay, uh, win the World Series, pay the other Jesse. And both of us could send money into this contract. The, you know, we could decide on where we get the, the end value from. So, you know, we get the, the, when ESPN reports who won the game, we'll take that as the right um, outcome. And the blockchain or Ethereum will automatically issue the money to the right person based on the outcome. Okay. So we wrote this little contract that says, you know, if this, if that, and the Ethereum automatically executes it. So there's no bank, there's no off-track betting involved. 
There's no bookie. There's no bookie. There's no you know, threats of someone to come and break your legs. Exactly. It's okay. direct me to you, um, go entering an agreement. And now, you know, we don't have to be in New York together. We don't have to be in the United States together. You know, you could be in Australia. I could be in New York. We could enter this agreement. And by entering this agreement, if we both sent the money in, the, the agreement is locked in. And, you know, we agreed on the outcome or on where the outcome comes from. And based on that outcome, it pays out. Okay. So it's, it's kind of like an automated contract, right? Pretty much. So you, you sign an agreement with someone and basically uh, you say, okay, here's my money. This is your money. We, we both put it into the blockchain. Uh, and then de- depending on the results, it will come out one way or the other way. Right. Okay. So um, so let me let me just see if I got this straight. So we have we have blockchain. Blockchain is the technology, right? Yep. And it's, it's a technology that spreads information across... Uh, multiple different servers, right? It makes it very transparent. Yep. Um, so instead of just one, like a bank, that bank has the information of Jesse has sent a dollar to Jesse. Right. If we're working with two banks, those two banks have that information. Right. But if we're working with the blockchain, I'm sending that directly to you and pretty much everybody has that information. So everyone who is running what is called a node, mm-hmm. basically, and that is just any computer that is running the blockchain. Mm-hmm. Any of those people can confirm or verify the transactions that are going on. So every single one of those nodes would have a copy of the blockchain. So it's it's this global, to use jargon, it's a global distributed ledger, essentially. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, I like the way uh, an NPR podcast actually described it once. They said it's kind of like to where if you have a room full of bookkeepers, right, essentially, and they all have an account, they have a book that's an account, it's a ledger, right? They all have their own ledger, yep. um, and then something happens, right? I send a dollar to you, and then basically one guy comes out into the room, and he says, okay, all right, listen up, everybody, Jesse sent a dollar to Jesse, Right, and then all of those guys in the room write it down in their book. Yep. So now, not only one person has that account, right? They don't have that record, but tons of people, all the people in the room, have that record. Right. So therefore, if I want to change that record, I can't only go to one person. Right. I have to go to every single person, which kind of makes it impossible for me to cheat. Right. Yes, it makes it much more difficult for any of the you know collusion or anything to occur within the system. Yeah, so I can't go to one guy and say like, hey, you know what, I'm going to give you $10 if you right. just change that a little bit here because he might change it, but everyone's like, well, that's not our record. If right? he changed it, then he would basically get thrown out yeah. of the room. Okay, all right. So that's that's kind of how blockchain technology works. And then yep. we have built on that digital currencies, right? Yep. And then basically what this whole technology and concept does is cut out the middlemen, right? So we don't have to use a bank um, because we have these automated contracts, um, you small call them smart contracts, right? Um, that carry out the transactions digitally, right? A computer yep. does all the work, right? Um, and then all that information is kept on all these different nodes, as you were saying, or right. people in the room, air quotes. Yep. Uh, and that that's blockchain essentially. Yep. Am I am I correct? You know, I, I think this is a, is a very solid basic understanding of it okay. and if you really if people really wanted to go deeper there you know there's resources out there to to learn all the cryptography and everything behind it but you know most people don't care how their car works they just want it to work <laughs> yeah that's true yeah <laughs> I, I have no idea how my car works in a lot of ways okay but here's what we're really here to talk about today and this is the music industry so me as a musician and someone who has a podcast on the music industry right uh, we talk about the music industry 
a lot. We talk about different aspects, but one thing um, that is poised to change, that, that people are saying is going to change the music industry, is blockchain, this technology. They say that it could potentially affect the music industry and change it in a way that we've never seen before. Um, tell and this is what your this is what Ujo does, right? Right. Yeah. Um, Ujo is responsible for using blockchain in the music industry. So yep. tell us a little bit more about how this is actually going to work. How is blockchain going to potentially change the music industry as we know it today? Absolutely. So if you know when we look at the music industry, it's some of the laws were written a hundred years ago. You know, mechanical royalties that was conceptualized with piano rolls, and you know, it's 110 years later since those laws came out and we're not using piano rolls anymore. We're using digital files. Yeah. We're using, you know, everything in the music industry has gone digital except for the laws, the regulations, and the, the systems behind it. Okay. So... You're telling me you don't have any cassette tapes that you use anymore? You know, I do see them for sale at Urban Outfitters, but I don't <laughs> buy them. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where a cassette player would be. That's, that's so retro. Super it's, retro. It's one of those things, Urban Outfitters, they would be the ones that would sell cassette tapes. They'd right. Like, you know what? <laughs> they, they had the weekend album out there, so yeah. I do buy vinyl occasionally. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a fun thing to hold and look at. Yeah, um, but for the most part, that's not how our music industry works today, right? Right. People download their music, uh, they get it online. Yep, absolutely. So we live in this digital world. A lot of what we, many of us spend most of our days sitting in front of a computer. Um, and we still create things. We create music. We create all of this stuff. And the creators are the ones that are essentially powering these ecosystems, right? YouTube would just be a website without anything on it if there were no creators. Yeah, um, that's true. You Good know, point iTunes, all of these places, all of these systems would just be empty fields, essentially, if they had no content in them. No artists, right? right? And so we need to create a better way for these artists to be compensated for their works, um, you know, new models, new economic models for paying artists, new ways where artists can get funding from, new ways where artists can can really interact with their fans and create relationships around the music. You know, I think that's one thing we've sort of lost in the past few years as we've gone to streaming because at the end of the day, we don't own anything anymore. We, we rent all of our music. And if you violate Spotify's terms of agreements or if you violate, you know, your streaming service of choices agreement, your account shut down. And the last 10 years, you know, probably five years of your music history is lost. And, you know, if I asked you, you know, what are your favorite artists right now, would you be able to, you know, your, my first thing or I used to do would be to go to my iTunes and be like, oh, here's the last 10 things I've downloaded. This yeah. is what I'm listening yeah. to. Mm -hmm. And now if we don't own that anymore, we don't own that data, we don't own the music, we don't support those artists directly anymore. Yeah. Not that we ever supported them completely directly, but, you know, I think having that physical CD in your hand felt a lot more tangible than just clicking play and letting your Spotify playlist play out throughout the day. And then you look up, it's five o'clock and you have no idea what you listen to throughout the day. Yeah, and that's totally true. Yeah. You know, the music just kind of was background noise. I think one thing I've realized is that as I'm, as this kind of way that we're listening to music has increased over the past few years, is that I have a way worse recollection of basically the content and like the names of artists. So like, I walk into a store all the time. I like, oh, yeah, I've definitely heard this song. Right. But I have no idea who they are or what the name of the song is, which changed, you know, 10 years ago, you pretty much know who they are and what the name of the song is. Um, lyrics, right? Who knows lyrics to songs anymore? Like, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Generally, Unless, uh, right. When I was a teenager, like, and I bought a CD, I memorized the lyrics of, like, every single 
word on that album because you had that book right yeah the book with all of the you know the liner notes and pop it in your car yeah don't do that anymore right right it's become this you know we have such a distant relationship with music so i think you know at least in our help is that we really hope this can create and foster you know a better connection to music a better relationship with artists you know one where we actually care if they you know can pay for their dinner or not yeah that makes sense. So how, how how will blockchain do that? I mean, how will it allow artists to pay for their dinner? How will it allow, you know, musicians and creators to actually be able to have these experiences you're talking about, being able to connect uh, more closely to their fans, right? Yep. So we're at the beginning, I think, of all of this stuff. So, you know, I think take what I say with a grain of salt because it may or may not come true ever, but... Um, you know, we see a future where it doesn't matter where the music is on the web. It doesn't matter who's using it or how they're using it. It matters if you're, you know, you're following the policies set by the artist of how they can, how you can use their music. You're paying for it um, and you know where to pay. You know who to pay. You know, if I asked you to, you know, if, to, to help me get a license for the latest Beyonce track for my YouTube video, you wouldn't even know where to go. Yeah. Right. And even if you did know where to go, the chance of the whoever is in charge of licensing your catalog responding to us and saying, you know what? Yeah, you could use it in your YouTube video for a hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Or it being affordable, right? Right. It's just non-existent. So, you know, we see a future where music is more prevalent than ever. It's, you know, people actually have direct connections to artists and we see, you know, a middle class of artists being born instead of either being a starving artist or a rock star. Yeah. How do you make $80,000 a year as a musician? I think those opportunities have become less and less as we've gotten more into this digital age where consumption is increasing, but that actual connection again is decreasing. So, you know, we're, we're hoping that this technology can actually make those relationships can create connections to music again. Um, and it can, there can be more music and more places and, you know, more collaboration. So how would this work? How, uh, kind of explain to me like, all right, so I'm a musician. Uh, I want to use um, blockchain, right? There's there's musicians starting to use blockchain out there, right? Yep. So one of the big artists that's using it is Imogen Heap, right? Yep. Yeah. So we worked with Imogen back in 2015, right right after Ethereum launched. And, you know, we basically, we knew this technology was powerful. We knew that, you know, it had some place in the music industry. And Imogen reached out to us and was like, you know, I think the technology is finally catching up to where my thoughts have been for the last five or 10 years. And we worked with her. She said, you know, take my single. She gave it to us and a few other uh, companies and said, take my single and release it on the blockchain. Um, Here are all of the people that were involved. Here are all of the splits that um, they should receive for being on it, uh, for being a part of this song. Um, Here are the different type of licenses I want to offer. So she offered five different types of licenses. You were able to buy three of them through our site. So you would go to our website. You would create essentially a digital wallet and that digital wallet stores ether um and you were so once you created that digital wallet you were able to then select the type of license you wanted there was a streaming license which was one cent there was a download license which was 60 cents and there was a stems license so the pieces of the song for uh 45 dollars and each one of those had, you know, a few more stipulations behind it. It was, you know, if you stream it, you have access to stream it once for one cent. If you download it, you have access to use it for, you know, the entirety of the song. You can't share that MP3. Obviously, there's no way of tracking that. Um, but 
50 and then the stems license was you know you can use it if you want to release a song with it it you have to pay back 50 percent um but basically you would so you would select which type of license you wanted you would pay the correct amount you would send that correct amount to the smart contract the smart contract based on the amount of money you sent would know what type of license to issue you back it would send you a digital license back and the files associated with that license and then the money would go to what was in the smart contract would then instantly be split among all of the collaborators so you know this person gets five percent this person gets two percent and in 15 seconds everyone involved in the song was paid and they had the money in their account so basically it eliminates like you know the money passing through hands like it doesn't first go to imogen and then she then takes that money and then gives it to this person and this person said hey you know you played some you know i don't know triangle in this song and therefore you get two percent right right um i'm here's here's three dollars because i only actually sold 100 but in all reality she sold 2000 that doesn't happen right it basically splits everything equally among all the contributors like everything's already set up in this automated smart contract um and then as soon as someone purchases the license or the music um that money is immediately sent to the person who was according to the agreement should go to right right so if i'm a musician i played a little bit on the album i get five percent for each sale blah 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 if that happens, right? That's just an example. Um, it, it just sorts everything out immediately and it eliminates banks. It eliminates, you know, it, credit agencies. It eliminates um, PROs. It eliminates labels, publishers, basically all of that in this case. Yep. And, you know, I think the main thing to take away from that, that use case was that it automates all of the business administration, right? So the collecting, the, the splitting, the accounting, the the legal agreement between the contracts, all of that becomes automated. And what that does is it really frees up a lot of room for people to pay more attention to the actual artist and pay more attention to the creators and, you know, helping develop an artist and, and they're, they're, you know, helping to develop an artist's career and actually wanting that career to flourish and not just worrying about, you know, where the next single is coming from, but really focusing on and working with and developing these artists and helping them make great music. So you're basically saying that this allows the artist to focus more time upon their art, right? Absolutely. They don't have to worry so much about the business side because these smart contracts, once they've set it up, they're in place. Right. And, you know, I, I think, you know, a common misconception here is, you know, we're trying to put all of these companies out of business. And, you know, that's not the case at the end of the day. It's the case is that, you know, why is a PRO half lawyers right why is the joke in the music industry that an introduction is a lawsuit right they, the first time yeah. you meet is in a courthouse yeah. like, like that's that's not how it should be yes yeah. that's, that's not a future that fosters innovation and collaboration it's a future that restricts it really yeah i guess if if your first meeting with a label is like whatever you do definitely have a lawyer <laughs> right it's kind of like yeah that is a little bit dangerous yeah right and like you know you, you're not going into business you shouldn't be like thinking like that you're that this is like some type of really sketchy situation. It should be a situation where like someone says, "Hey, you have great music, and I want to help you succeed." Um, and you know, you you probably still will need a lawyer at some point to look <laughs> over some things. But yeah. you know, how do we make this a more trustworthy industry? Yeah, but so that's a good question. How how do I trust the system? How do I know that this smart contract, 
you know, is going to get everything right. Is that where the blockchain comes in place? I mean, is that where all these people in all these rooms kind of holding each other accountable? You do need to trust in the blockchain, I guess, really. Yeah. You know, as as crazy as that sounds, that that is something you have to trust, is that the people that wrote this code and the cryptography behind it did it the right way yeah um so i guess i could test it though like you know if i am a musician i'm on blockchain and i could just buy one of my albums right and then so, i can see how much money ends up on my wallet and how much money ends up on my drummer's wallet and how much money ends up in my manager's wallet um and if it's according to the way we set up the contract then we know it works right right and so with ujo you know we're providing a lot of these contracts as base layers um so that you just add in your information and you create them yourself mm-hmm. um but, you know, we, again, see so now you're trusting us to write these smart contracts because yeah. it requires... Are you guys trustworthy? Well, they're open source, you know, we, <laughs> okay. they're, yeah. they're on GitHub. Um, and so if, if people want to audit them, if they want to double check our work, you know, not only are we going through diligence internally, but we're making them open source because we want people to understand that, you know, this is, we're not trying to screw anyone. We're, this is for the betterment of everyone and it's going to take some time to get there, but... You know, it's a slow and steady race that we're we're making making headway in. Okay, cool. Uh, let now let me ask you this. This is also a complicated question, but um, in order to purchase things on the blockchain, you have to use a digital currency, yep. right? Um, yours is on the Ethereum blockchain, so you have to use Ether. Yep. To purchase the music on this blockchain. Right. How does that work? If I want to purchase music, um, how do I? You know, I've never purchased. I've never. I don't have any digital currency like i've never purchased a digital mm-hmm. currency um i've only heard about it in the news but how do i make sure that i'm doing this how do i get the cash in my wallet or my debit card or my credit card how do i get that money translated into music that's going to be then going through these smart contracts and that's going to be given to the artist directly how do i do that yeah so with digital currency you need to use an exchange the same way you would go when you go to a different country you would hit, go to the currency exchange at the airport same thing, except these are now online and they're converting your US dollars or euros or your pounds into digital currency. So you need to go to an exchange. Now with Ujo, we use a plugin called MetaMask and inside that plugin, there is essentially a buy button. And if you're a US citizen, you're able to buy $50 a week with a credit card, no account needed. So basically you put in your credit card, it gives you $50 worth of ether um, right into your MetaMask account, which also acts essentially as this digital wallet that lives in your browser. Mm-hmm. So you do need to buy digital currency um, right now. And, you know, there is, there's a lot of restrictions around that, you know, because if you, if we were to accept US dollars and convert it into Ether, we would have to be a money services business. And yeah. it's not really the business we're in. So, you know, right now it is Ether based. You know, we're hoping that there are going to be some easier, steps forward in the future but right now it is it is either based so it's just like exchanging into a foreign currency you have yep. to exchange your money your american dollars or whatever money you have into this digital currency now i'm a person i travel a lot i travel abroad a lot yep. um and in fact i'm i'm leaving a week since we're recording this podcast i'm going to be going off to china i'm going to have to take my u.s dollars now and i'm have to exchange that for chinese renminbi and one thing that i know about exchanging money is it's expensive right it costs me quite a bit if i'm doing it at the airport it costs a ton if right. i'm doing it you know at a bank there's there's a fee attached there's a one percent two percent fee attached um if i purchase digital currency is it also expensive how does that work 
depends on the exchange you use. Yeah. So the most popular exchange in the United States is called Coinbase, and they do take a one percent fee. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there is there are you know new players entering the game all the time. Robinhood, which was uh, it's a, an app for stock trading, um, they recently got into cryptocurrency, and they're going to be doing basically you could buy bitcoin or ether through robin hood for a zero percent fee zero percent so 0%. what about ujo so if i want to purchase on ujo do i have do i take on a, a exchange fee or so when you're using when you're using so ujo uses the metamask plugin and that uses coinbase so okay. there will be a fee so there is a one percent right but yeah. if you come with your own ether or you know you get that in some other way then there is there is no fee associated okay with that. so if i have ether from my wallet that i exchange with robin hood which is zero percent i can bring it right. in and then do that. Okay. Uh, next question here. We know that anyone who's watching the market right now and has been reading the news knows that digital currencies are pretty volatile, right? Absolutely. You know, uh, Bitcoin just a few months ago was insanely high. It started coming down quite a bit. I know that Ether was also really high. It's come down. It was at a low last week, starting to go up again. Um, but just the day-to-day changes in all of these currencies is insane, right? Uh, yep. It's not quite like the dollar or the euro. Or... 13% <laughs> fluctuations are, you know, a normal day for us. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if I want to buy, like you said, I can go into, I don't need an account. I can go into Ujo. I can buy $50 worth of Ether to then pay musicians. Now mm-hmm. their their albums are an equivalent of $20, right? right? How do I know that if I purchase Ether, right, It's and I purchase $50 worth of it, it's not going to be, it's going to be worth like actually... $37 tomorrow. Right. So when you're when we're looking at the volatility of this stuff, right now it is wildly volatile. Um, you know, like I said, 13% price swings are a daily occurrence. Will that happen? Can that ha- If I buy $50 worth of Ether today and then I wait tomorrow to buy my album, right? Let's say I buy $20 worth of Ether, yep. okay? And the album's $20, right? Yep. Awesome. Um, but... I wait till tomorrow and then 13% drop, right? Now my ether is only worth like, you know, $15 or whatever, right. you know, whatever drop it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do the math there. But, um, and now I can't buy the album anymore. Right. My, is that is that possible? So, yes, that that's absolutely possible. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, whenever people ask for investment advice on this stuff, I say, you know, only invest what you're willing to lose because it is still the beginning of this stuff. But I'm not investing. I'm buying music. Right. And so, <laughs> right, right. And so, like, like, so it is still the beginning of this stuff. Um, but we are, you know, there are ways to use digital currencies that are essentially that don't fluctuate. There are a couple different ones out there today that are pegged or, you know, one one value of those currencies is worth one U.S. dollar. Okay. So it's kind of like tied to the dollar. Right. Okay. So yeah, so there are ways that we can create systems that don't fluctuate. There are you know ways to reduce that volatility, and obviously, if an artist was was getting paid in this, they would want some type of security that you know their money's not going to go away. Yeah, right. You know that's and that's you know would be heartbreaking to us if an artist was made all this money and then lost it all tomorrow in the crash. Yeah, so, in the market. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's not something that we want to to see happen. But um, you know on the flip side. Someone like Imogen, when she sold her out, she sold her her song with us. She sold one song. She sold about 140 copies of that song. And at the time, Ether was 60 cents when she sold it. And she recently, you know, in December of 2017, sold that Ether at 
she made about seventy thousand dollars. So. Wow! <laughs> yeah, <That's laughs> you know, and probably not going to happen very much for long. Who knows? No, Who knows? no. But um, you know, it's it's obviously there's a flip side to it, and I think you know that we are working on ways to create stable currencies. So what you're saying is, if I want to buy music, buy it that instant. Pretty much yeah. at, at the moment, yes. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you know, right. we're working on ways to mitigate that in the future. So don't so don't buy your ether and then just wait a couple of days and then, or maybe do wait a couple of days and then if you have twice the amount of ether. You know, if you're willing to play with the, <laughs> play with the markets and ride the swings, uh, by all means, you're becoming a, a stock investor with without <laughs> even meaning to, just purchasing an album. That's awesome. I like that. Okay, so so it is the beginning of it. You're saying there is a little a few issues and kinks here that you're trying to work out. Um, right. But it does have the potential of of when you do buy that music, that money goes directly to the artist. Yep. Everything is done beautifully, and there's very little chance of an artist getting cheated, right? Yes. Uh, yep. Basically, they can't. It's transparent. Um, all these different men in these different rooms have the ledger. They know who purchased what. Uh, it goes to the artist. It goes to the, the contributors, um, and therefore a label can't say, oh, actually, you didn't make that much money, or right. actually, you broke this many albums, so you owe us this much money, right. because it doesn't work like that. Okay, awesome. Uh, it sounds really cool. It sounds really interesting, but let's talk a little bit about how this is going to work for the artist, the future artist that wants to use blockchain, or the future consumer that wants to use blockchain. So let's say I am an artist, right? I am an artist. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I have. I have a. I have a project that I'm new working on. A project it's called the Color Yes, um, here in the city. And you know, uh, I've. I'm working. I'm writing the music on my album right now. Yep. Putting together my contributors. Right. Uh, I may want to take my album, my future album, and put it on the blockchain. What What are my steps? Right. So in January of this year, we released what we call the Creators Portal, and so this is a way for us to start getting information and data into the system because, you know, we could we kind of had a chicken and egg problem when we started this project. We were like, well, we can go out and get catalogs that exist with labels and stuff, but then they're not going to be on the blockchain format, you know, and if we don't have music, then we're not going to have users, and if we don't have users, we're not going to have music. So yeah, we said, you know, we have to create an ingestion point, and that intake is what we call the creator's portal. And so that allows you to register yourself digitally um, and tie yourself to an Ethereum address, so like basically a wallet, mm -hmm. um, and take your content and put your content into the system, and the content is registered to you, and you own the registrations for that. You own, you know, all of the ability to modify any of that data in the system, and that data is now stored in a decentralized database. It's not stored in the blockchain, the music content, but yeah. it's stored. It, the records are in the blockchain. Okay, so um, so how much does it cost me? So I, I want right. to I want to set up on the blockchain. I want to use Ujo. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to cost me some money. So with the Creators Portal, we we don't believe in charging people to register their music. We don't think that that's we kind of consider that to be a public good. You know, you should be able to put your music on the internet and know that you own it, and know that you know it. it it's yours, really, at the end of the day. You know, you're not uploading to SoundCloud and not reading the fine print that, like, SoundCloud actually owns your content. But I don't quote me on that because I'm not <laughs> sure that that's the case. Okay, but, yeah. you know, that's basically... Who knows, right? right yeah. That's, that's no the premise of No one uses the user agreements, right? Right, exactly. Um, you know, and with Spotify, as a user, you don't own the music you're adding to your library. So, you know, the flip side, how do we create a system that actually... People are actually owning things. And that registration process for us is always free and sh should always be free. 
Okay. Um, so if I want to use your platform, Ujo, as a musician, put my stuff right. on, it doesn't cost me any money. It doesn't cost you anything. So. What? <laughs> so right now... So what's the catch? There, There is no catch yet. Right now, we, we are trying to build a better future. Okay. Um, and we want to do that together with as many artists as possible. Um, so you're able to go in, you're able to register yourself, your content, and then you're able... Right now, there's one option for licensing and publishing, and that is the ability to create your own store. So it's kind of... A little bit of a harder to use Bandcamp, you know. In <laughs> okay, <laughs> a little bit more complicated. Bandcamp. A little bit more of a complicated Bandcamp. Okay, um, but you know we don't take that ten percent fee that Bandcamp does. So, you know there are is a little bit of a trade off. So you guys don't take percentage fees. We're right? not taking any fees. So how do you make your money, right? Right. So right now, you know, Ujo is is funded by consensus. Um, we want to get to the point where we're providing enough value for artists that. You know, if we take a 1% fee on maybe some other service that we're providing, that it doesn't matter to you. You know, you have the money to pay for it. We're not being unfair. We're, you know, essentially trying to keep ourselves in business so that we can keep providing more value and more services. So the first thing is the store, and the store is free to use. Right now, it is on the Ethereum testnet, so we're still testing it, getting all the bugs out, so it's not real money yet. Yeah. So don't go out there putting it up and you know expecting to receive all this money because it's not real ether yet. Okay. Um, we are hope, hoping to transition that to the main Ethereum network in the next month. So you know oh, wow. sometime in, in mid May, um, and then it will be real ether and it will be, will be real money. And so people will you'll be able to send a link to your friends. It'll be your store essentially. Um, you know the color yes will have a page and it will have you know some info about your band. It'll have your profile picture. It'll have a tip button, so if you know if any of your fans want to like throw you a couple bucks here or there, um, it will also you know have the release whatever. If you release an album, it will have the whole album there, and it will have a purchase button with a price that you set. So if it's ten bucks, sell it for ten bucks. If you want to sell it for five bucks, sell it for five bucks. If you want to sell it for free and just say tip me, if you really like it, you know you can do that too. Yeah. Um, and what's cool about that is when you do download it as a user, you're also given what is what we're calling an artist badge. So, you know, think of it basically as when you used to have a CD, right? You had the CD case with some album art and like, you know, you had something physical that represented your purchase. Yeah. As we've transitioned to the digital age, it's kind of impossible to tell who likes what artist. You know, it takes two seconds to click like on Facebook or, you know, heart and Instagram sure, post yeah. or whatever. But what we're doing with the, with the creators portal is issuing artist badges. And those artist badges are unique digital assets. So that means that essentially... Yes, it's it's a receipt of your purchase, but also it's a receipt that you can't copy. So okay, I can't copy it and give it to you, and you, we both say that we bought it because it's uh, a unique asset. So it's kind of like memorabilia in a way. In a way, yes. So we, we, we had a podcast on merchandise where we talked about this very topic. We talked about how there's something you know visceral about going to a concert and purchasing something, a hard case disc or something like that, and then having that and putting it in your collection and then seeing your collection you know, up on the case or up on the stand and having kind of that that acknowledgement that you were there or buying concert t-shirts, right? Um, right? In our merch episode, we were talking about how there's tons of YouTube videos of people going through their band merch, just talking about the different kinds of band merch they have and kind of, you know, people like to have a symbol that they... <laughs> yeah, you not seen these? No. No? <laughs> They're ridiculous, but yeah, you should check it out. But yeah, but people love having this kind of 
this physical thing that proved that you know they're a fan, right? right. That they were there, right? Absolutely. So is that kind of what this artist badge yeah, is doing? Yeah, it is. And you know, they are also basically it's, it's it's like that memorabilia, but at the same time, it's like that memorabilia that only you have. So let's say you were the first person to buy the album, you essentially get artist badge number one uh-huh. for that album. Oh, cool. And so you know, you know, I bought this album first. Yeah. Um, and I'm no a one super fan, right? And no one else can have that. Literally, I can't copy it and send it to you. If I send it to you, I no longer have it. Okay, so but so it's kind of like a some in some ways it's a digital currency, right? It it, it is very much like a digital currency. So can it I is, 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 do I buy things with it or is it just memorabilia? Um, so right now it doesn't do anything. Um, is it a picture? How do I how it, do I see it on it, it? It is a picture in your profile. So um, can so I can I just copy it? Can I take a screenshot of that? You and could, then, and then send that screenshot to my friend. You can, but here's where it gets interesting, right? So let's say. You know, I I just so RAC for example, he he released his music on on Ujo, and he was the first person that we did this with. So, for every time you bought his album Ego, you received an Ego token. Okay. Um, and so now what? Now RAC knows that there are you know like X number of token holders. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but. And now he has a direct connection to every single one of those because he can see every single person that or the address essentially of every single person and not their home or physical address, just like their Ethereum address. Yeah. So their wallet of every single person that owns one of his tokens. Yeah. And he could say, you know, he is, he is an upcoming EP and he could say, you know, for all of the token holders, I'm giving free streaming access to my new EP. Okay. So as an artist, you can see who's purchased your music and then you can kind of give them rewards based on that. Right. You, you can say, hey, all of you guys that purchased my first one, show me your tokens, and then you guys are going to get 50% off my second album. Right. And Everyone else has to pay It is so price. much more seamless than that. that. Like, It just basically, as long as it's in your wallet, um, it doesn't, the, the web site reads it, and basically if you went to this website and you had the token in your wallet, the page would just unlock. And if you didn't, it would say, hey, if you want to listen to this, you have to go out and buy Ego. Oh, okay. So basically, it's it's an automatic situation. You don't give get rid of the token. And if okay. You so I the, couldn't use a, a screenshot of a picture exactly. of the token. You right. wouldn't be able to use the screenshot because the computer would be like, hey, wait a second. you know, Or, or the people in the room, rather, would be like, hey, wait a second. This doesn't compute. Yeah. You know, this, this isn't. This is still in that person's yeah, yeah, wallet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have this in our ledger saying that it's in that person's wallet. It was never transferred to you. Right. That's obviously fake money that you're trying to hand me. Yes. Right. That's a that's a counterfeit bill. Absolutely. Okay, cool. All right. That that's that actually sounds really cool. I like that aspect of it. It it's a way of connecting the artist and the listeners and kind of giving a reward based system and also having that kind of physical memorabilia. Because, right. like, if you have all these unique tokens and then you purchase lots of different albums, you can open a page and maybe see all of your tokens listed on a screen. Absolutely. It's kind of that whole idea of collecting badges or collecting albums yep. and all the different artwork that's involved. It's it's a cool concept. And and back to the, the question earlier, you know, what does the future of the music industry look like, right? Now, let's say you have 50, 100, 1,000 different artist albums that you've bought over the last 10 years. Maybe you go to your favorite blog or Rolling Stone in the future and... Rolling Stones, like, you know, Jesse, you've bought X out this album, that album, the other album. Why don't you read these articles? Because, you know, basically that, that information is transparent and on the web. And, you know, basically now that I'm on this page with all these tokens in my wallet, Rolling Stone can now recommend me music or, out, or stories or whatever based on my purchasing history, based on stuff that they actually know. Okay. You know, and so it doesn't matter if it's Spotify. It doesn't matter. It, basically, you can bring your content, your library, 
around with you. Yeah. So it says, someone says like, okay, uh, I've seen that you purchased the Color Yes albums. Right. Now, if you go to, you know, like the Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stones will be able to read that information somehow. Yep. Right. And they'll be able to say, okay, Jesse, here are, I mean, whoever my fan is, <laughs> um, here are hey. the Color Yeah, 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 this Jesse. Um, here are the Color Yes articles out there, right? right. Or here's things referencing the Color Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so if I am a consumer, right? And I'm interested in using blockchain to purchase my music. Do I have to go through Ujo, or are there other platforms, or what, what's my options here? Right now on Ethereum, um, you know, we are the only platform that has stores. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple other different blockchain projects that are all working on this. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, we hope they all succeed. We want to collaborate with them. We want to work with them. Um, if you didn't use our platform, you could learn how to code and go around our, our interface essentially to the blockchain and d- interact directly with the blockchain. But, um, I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, no, I have no idea how to do that. Yeah. My amazing developer team, uh, <laughs> you know, is, is, is good at. Okay. So here's one final, kind of final question on this. Um, this, so this blockchain technology creates an opportunity for individuals to, um, purchase music directly with the artist. It gives the artist a little bit more control over their own art and also their their funds. Instead of getting a fraction of a percent of all the value that they're creating, they're actually getting much more of the worth of the actual value that they're creating, right? Um, how is this different than really just creating a website and then selling directly off my own website? So, you know, with yep. Squarespace and Wix, right, it's so easy. They They have all the tools right there to just upload your music and then you sell it directly to whoever wants it. Like, yeah, no, I mean, and right now it is very similar to that. And I think, you know, this goes again, back to the future question without smart contracts, I guess. Right. And where do we envision this future of music going? Um, We already know, you know, much to the dismay of our first product that people don't really buy music anymore. They stream it. Right. Yeah. And how do we, you know, create a ecosystem that, that can flourish, that can, you know, have different services where you don't have to be locked into Spotify's ecosystem. You don't have to be only on Apple Music. You know, as a music fan, you can jump around from all of these platforms. And when you consume the music, you're paying for it directly to that artist, whether it's through Spotify, whether it's through Apple Music. And I'm not saying they're going to go out and change their back ends or business models anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's the kind of future we imagine is possible. Because without that, you know, it's like the other, the only other alternative we see is a future where, we're going to have more exclusives on platforms. We're going to have, you know, Jay-Z on Tidal, um, someone else on on Spotify, you know, and another person only on this stuff. And so, you know, if those are your three favorite artists, all of a sudden you're paying $30 a month yeah. for music. Yeah. And on average, as a consumer, we're spending more for music now than we ever have before. The average spend for music, you know, 10 or so years ago used to be around, um, I believe, $80 per person. Now that's $120 per person on average because it's $10 a month for all these services. So we're now spending. Oh, I see what you're saying. We're spending $40 more a month than we, on average, than we ever, or sorry, $40 more a year. So you're saying the amount of money that we spend on subscribing to SoundCloud, to YouTube Red, to Apple Music, all all this, when you combine it together, is more than what you used to do if you just bought albums. Right. right? We're spending more than we ever have. And we're getting in this situation where the artists are getting paid less than they ever have. That's true. And, you know, where is the money going? At the end of the day, it's going to these companies that 
don't care necessarily about music, right? Spotify is the only streaming service that is actually only a music company, even though it is a tech company. But Apple doesn't care if they lose money on music because they're just trying to sell you another iPhone. Amazon doesn't care if they sell you music because yeah. they're just trying to sell you another Alexa. You know, and it, the list goes on. But these tech companies that have other stuff and other services are using music as their loss leader. So what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is that this kind of horrible descent into misery that musicians have seen themselves <laughs> in the past 10, 20 years due to pirating and streaming and just not being able to make any money right off of your music, there may be light at the end of the tunnel. I hope so. And you know, I think one last thing on the point of piracy, if you look at why piracy was such a problem, iTunes was released in 2001. It wasn't until 2003 that the iTunes store was released. So for two years, the only way to get music on your iPod was to sit in front of your computer and put in CD after CD after CD. Yeah, I did it. Right. <laughs> yeah, for hours. Or you could take the alternative and say, you know what, I need to go to bed. So pull up Napster. Here's, you know, 20 albums. Yeah, download. I already bought this album, so it's kind of okay. Right. And I'll just add this song. Right. And, yeah, you know, I'm not a real pirate. <laughs> you wake up in the morning and, you know, you have 10,000 songs in your iTunes. <laughs> yeah. And when that would have taken you, you know, 100, 200 hours of time. Yeah. And basically, because the lack of adoption of basically the music industry saying that, you know, we don't want to accept, we don't want to accept the fact that digital is coming. Yeah. And we're going to prevent everything. We're going to do everything we can to prevent that. They cause piracy, in my opinion. Yeah. Because there was no way to get music online. Okay, so that's interesting, yeah. And, you know, people just want access. People don't want to do the wrong thing. They just want to be able to access it and access it at a price that's, market, that's like, fair for the market. Yeah, that makes total sense, yeah. Okay, well, cool. I'm excited to see what happens. Hopefully, blockchain will take off, and hopefully, us, us poor, poor artists will have a <laughs> chance of actually making a penny here here or there using this awesome new technology. We hope so. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Absolute and pleasure. We're, we look forward to hearing what the future of Ujo holds. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, if you want to check it out more, head to ujomusic.com. Will do. All right. Thank you. So there you go, Weston. That was my interview with Jesse Grushak over at Ujo about blockchain. What do you think? So what do you think about this technology? I think it is, uh, it's really, I don't know, it gives you a little bit of hope. You know, it gives you a hope that maybe um, the tides are changing uh, away from, it's funny that we did this episode not too shortly after we did the episode about labels. Yeah. Uh, and how, uh, how kind of sort of, there's there's so much secrecy and so much sort of like uh magic sort of look over here when over here is what's happening you know with labels to where they say you know uh you've got uh you only sold this much but we're going to pay you this much because there's all these fees and there's all these things that we paid for and you owe us this and you owe us that you know uh i think that this is a really positive way in which maybe there starts to be sort of an accountability and uh, and sort of a justice brought back to the music industry. I'm I'm really excited to see what happens and where it goes. Yeah, me too. I you know who knows if this uh, technology will actually take off. There's tons of technologies out there that 
there's a lot of hope for them at the beginning and then nothing comes through. But this seems like a promising technology um, that will actually break through and we can actually change the way we work in the world to where it's hard to, it's harder to cheat, right? It's harder to cheat yeah. people. Everything's a little bit more fair. Everything's a little bit more transparent. And that's kind of what we need right now in the music industry. That being said, I still think that this is the beginning of the Matrix. And <laughs> <laughs> this just like what we're telling, just like the 80-year-old you talked to about in the beginning of this episode where yeah. you said... Uh, that he was like, look at this kid was able to find this song from my young days. Uh, I feel like one day uh, we're going to be like, uh, remember? I remember a time when uh, you had to eat your own food. And uh, and our kids are going to be like, you're crazy, Grandpa. And then, uh, yeah, and then we'll be like, yeah, it was before, before blockchain ruled the world. Yeah, blockchain <laughs> and Amazon and Walmart, they all got together and... Uh, and now we we serve them Ver- as Verizon, Chipotle, Exxon, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, it's it's, it's super exciting. I I uh, I'm always hesitant with change. You know, I think that's sort of the human condition. But I think that this has a lot of potential, and I'm really really appreciative of Jesse sort of explaining it to us. I know throughout the episode he was having to sort of try and. Uh, for lack of a better word, dumbed down his explanations of of this process. So I, I'm really thankful for him, and and that was very cool. And how cool is it that you were able to to interview him? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, he's he's the leading one of the leading experts on music in the blockchain right now. So I feel like our 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 podcast has taken a very positive turn. We're getting better and better guests. Next week we'll be interviewing former President Obama. That's that's <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe, maybe not, but maybe. thank you guys so much anyways for joining us here on Chasing Famous. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Jesse Grushak and his company Ujo, you can check out their website at ujomusic.com. Um, also, there's just tons of information about blockchain and how it's going to change uh, the music industry and just almost every industry out there, like banking as well. So you can just Google it, Google blockchain and learn a little bit more. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Weston and his music, you can follow him on Facebook at Weston Horn the Hush or go to his website, www.westonhorninthehush.com. Yeah, or if you want to check out Jesse, you can check out him and his music out on Facebook at The Color Yes Music. Yeah, also if you want to learn more about the podcast and check out other episodes and information, you can go to our website at chasingfamouspodcast.com or if you want your music featured on the show or if you have any comments or anything, send us an email at chasingfamous at chasingfamouspodcast.com. Yeah, we hope that this episode about blockchain and potentially the impending doom of the human race has been inspiring, informative, and as always, pants off, dance off fun. That's right. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Until next time, keep on chasing famous.